0: story twenty of christmas stories by charles dickens this librivox recording is in the public domain story twenty no thoroughfare part two act i the curtain rises in a courtyard in the city of london which was no thoroughfare either for vehicles or foot passengers a courtyard diverging from a steep a slippery and a winding street connecting tower street with the middlesex shore of the thames stood the place of business of wilding and co wine merchants probably as a jocose acknowledgment of the obstructive character of this main approach the point nearest to its base at which one could take the river if so inodorously minded bore the appellation breakneck stairs the courtyard itself had likewise been descriptively entitled in old time cripple corner years before the year one thousand eight hundred and sixty one people had left off taking boat at breakneck stairs and watermen had ceased to ply there the slimy little causeway had dropped into the river by a slow process of suicide, and two or three stumps of piles and a rusty iron mooring ring were all that remained of the departed breakneck glories. Sometimes, indeed, a laden coal barge would bump itself into the place, and certain laborious heavers, seemingly mud engendered, would arise, deliver the cargo in the neighbourhood, shove off, and vanish but at most times the only commerce of break-neck stairs arose out of the conveyance of casks and bottles both full and empty both to and from the cellars of wilding and co wine merchants even that commerce was but occasional and through three-fourths of its rising tides the dirty indecorous drab of a river would come solitarily oozing and lapping at the rusty ring as if it had heard of the doge and the adriatic and wanted to be married to the great conserver of its filthiness the right honourable the lord mayor some two hundred and fifty yards on the right, up the opposite hill, approaching it from the low ground of breakneck stairs, was Cripple Corner. There was a pump in Cripple Corner. There was a tree in Cripple Corner. All Cripple Corner belonged to Wilding and Company wine merchants. Their cellars burrowed under it. Their mansion towered over it it really had been a mansion in the days when merchants inhabited the city and had a ceremonious shelter to the doorway without visible support like the sounding-board over an old pulpit it had also a number of long narrow strips of window so disposed in its grave brick front as to render it symmetrically ugly it had also on its roof a cupola with a bell in it when a man at five-and-twenty can put his hat on and can say this hat covers the owner of this property and of the business which is transacted on this property i consider mr Bintrey, that without being boastful he may be allowed to be deeply thankful i don't know how it may appear to you but so it appears to me thus mr walter wilding to his man of law in his own counting-house taking his hat down from its peg to suit the action to the word and hanging it up again when he had done so not to overstep the modesty of nature an innocent open-speaking unused-looking man mr walter wilding with a remarkably pink and white complexion and a figure much too bulky for so young a man though of a good stature with crisply curling brown hair and amiable bright blue eyes an extremely communicative man a man with whom loquacity was the irrestrainable outpouring of contentment and gratitude mr bentry on the other hand a cautious man with twinkling beads of eyes and a large overhanging bald head who inwardly but intensely enjoyed the comicality of openness of speech or hand or heart "'Yes,' said Mr. Bentry. "'Yes! Ha! <laughs> ha!' A decanter, two wine-glasses, and a plate of biscuits stood on the desk. "'You like this forty-five-year-old port wine?' said Mr. Wilding. "'Like it?' repeated Mr. Bintrey. "'Rather, sir.' "'It's from the best corner of our best forty-five-year-old bin,' said Mr. Wilding. "'Thank you, sir,' said Mr. Bintrey. "'It's most excellent.' He laughed again as he held up his glass and ogled it at the highly ludicrous idea of giving away such wine. "'And now,' said Wilding, with a childish enjoyment in the discussion of affairs, "'I think we have got everything straight, Mr. Bintrey." "'Everything straight,' said Bintrey. "'A partner secured.' "'Partner secured,' said Bintrey. "'A housekeeper advertised for.' housekeeper advertised for said Bentry. apply personally at cripple corner great tower street from ten to twelve to-morrow by the by, my late dear mother's affairs wound up wound up said Bentry, and all charges paid and all charges paid said Bentry with a chuckle probably occasioned by the droll circumstance that they had been paid without a haggle the mention of my late dear mother mr wilding continued his eyes filling with tears and his pocket-handkerchief drawing them unmans me still mr Bentry. you know how i loved her you her lawyer know how she loved me the utmost love of mother and child was cherished between us and we never experienced one moment's division or unhappiness from the time when she took me under her care thirteen years in all thirteen years under my late dear mother's care mr bintrey and eight of them her confidentially acknowledged son you know the story mr bintrey who but you sir mr wilding sobbed and dried his eyes without attempt at concealment during these remarks mr bintrey enjoyed his comical port and said after rolling it in his mouth i know the story my late dear mother, Mr Bentry, pursued the wine merchant, had been deeply deceived and had cruelly suffered, but on that subject my late dear mother's lips were forever sealed. By whom deceived or under what circumstances heaven only knows. My late dear mother never betrayed her betrayer. She had made up her mind, said Mr Bentry, again turning his wine on his palate, and she could hold her peace an amused twinkle in his eyes pretty plainly added a devilish deal better than you ever will honour said mr wilding sobbing as he quoted from the commandments thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long in the land when i was in the foundling mr bintrey i was at such a loss how to do it that i apprehended my days would be short in the land but i afterwards came to honour my mother deeply profoundly and i honour and revere her memory for seven happy years mr Bentry pursued wilding still with the same innocent catching in his breath and the same unabashed tears did my excellent mother article me to my predecessors in this business pebbleson nephew her affectionate forethought likewise apprenticed me to the ventnor's company and made me in time a free ventnor and, and everything else that the best of mothers could desire when i came of age she bestowed her inherited share in this business upon me it was her money that afterwards bought out pebbleson nephew and painted in wilding and company it was she who left me everything she possessed but the mourning ring you wear and yet mr bentry with a fresh burst of honest affection she is no more it is a little over half a year since she came into the corner to read on that door-post, with her own eyes, Wilding and Company, wine-merchants, and yet she is no more. "'Sad, but the common lot, Mr. Wilding,' observed Ventry. "'At some time or other we must all be no more.' He placed the forty-five-year-old port wine in the universal condition with a relishing sigh so now mr Bentry pursued wilding putting away his pocket-handkerchief and smoothing his eyelids with his fingers now that i can no longer show my love and honour for the dear parent to whom my heart was mysteriously turned by nature when she first spoke to me a strange lady i sitting at our sunday dinner-table in the foundling i can at least show that i am not ashamed of having been a foundling and that i who never knew a father of my own wish to be a father to all my employment therefore continued wilding becoming enthusiastic in his loquacity therefore i want a thoroughly good housekeeper to undertake this dwelling-house of wilding and company wine merchants cripple corner so that i may restore in it some of the old relations betwixt employer and employed so that i may live in it on the spot where my money is made so that i may daily sit at the head of the table at which the people in my employment eat together and may eat of the same roast and boiled and drink of the same beer so that the people in my employment may lodge under the same roof with me so that we may one and all i beg your pardon mr bintrey but that old singing in my head has suddenly come on and i shall feel obliged if you will lead me to the pump Alarmed by the excessive pinkness of his client, Mr. Bentry lost not a moment in leading him forth into the courtyard. It was easily done, for the counting-house in which they talked together opened on to it at one side of the dwelling-house. There the attorney pumped with a will, obedient to a sign from the client, and the client laved his head and face with both hands, and took a hearty drink after these remedies he declared himself much better don't let your good feelings excite you said bentry as they returned to the counting-house and mr wilding dried himself on a jack-towel behind an inner door no no i won't he returned looking out of the towel i won't i have not been confused have i not at all perfectly clear where did i leave off mr bentry well you left off but i wouldn't excite myself if i was you by taking it up again just yet i'll take care I'll, I'll take care the singing in my head came on at where mr bentry at roast and boiled and beer answered the lawyer prompting lodging under the same roof and one and all ah and one and all singing in the head together do you know i really would not let my good feelings excite me if i was you hinted the lawyer again anxiously try some more pump no occasion no occasion all right mr Bentry, and one and all forming a kind of family you see mr Bentry, i was not used in my childhood to that sort of individual existence which most individuals have led more or less in their childhood after that time i became absorbed in my late dear mother having lost her i find that i am more fit for being one of a body than one by myself to be that and at the same time to do my duty to those dependent on me and attach them to me has a patriarchal and pleasant air about it i don't know how it may appear to you mr bentry but so it appears to me it is not i who am all-important in the case but you returned bintrey consequently how it may appear to me is of very small importance it appears to me said mr wilding in a glow hopeful useful delightful do you know hinted the lawyer again i really would not ex i am not going to then there's handel there's who said bintrey handel mozart haydn kent Purcell dr arney green Mendelssohn, i know the choruses to those anthems by heart founding chapel collection why shouldn't we learn them together who learned them together asked the lawyer rather shortly employer and employed aye aye returned bentry mollified as if he had half expected the answer to be lawyer and client that's another thing not another thing mr Bentry. the same thing a part of the bond among us we will form a choir in some quiet church near the corner here and having sung together of a sunday with a relish we will come home and take an early dinner together with a relish the object that i have at heart now is to get this system well in action without delay so that my new partner may find it founded when he enters on his partnership all good to be with it exclaimed bentry rising may it prosper is joey ladle to take a share in handel mozart haydn kent Purcell, dr arney green and mendelssohn i hope so i wish them all well out of it returned bentry with much heartiness goodbye sir they shook hands and parted then first knocking with his knuckles for leave Entered to Mr. Wilding from a door of communication between his private counting-house and that in which his clerks sat, the head cellarman of the cellars of Wilding and Company wine merchants, and erst head cellarman of the cellars of Pebbleson Nephew, the joey ladle in question a slow and ponderous man of the drayman order of human architecture dressed in a corrugated suit and bibbed apron apparently a composite of door-mat and rhinoceros hide respecting this same boarding and lodging young master wilding said he yes joey speaking for myself young master wilding and i never did speak and i never do speak for no one else i don't want no boarding nor yet no lodging but if you wish to board me and to lodge me take me i can peck as well as most men where i peck ain't so high a object with me as what i peck never even so high a object with me as how much i peck is all to live in the house young master wilding the two other cellarmen the three porters the two prentices and the odd men yes i hope we shall all be a united family joey ah said joey i hope they may be they rather say we joey joey ladle shook his head don't look to me to make we on it young master wilding not at my time of life and under the circumstances which has formed my disposition i have said to pebbles and nephew many a time when they have said to me put a livelier face upon it joey i have said to them gentlemen it is all very well for you that has been accustomed to take your wine into your systems by the convivial channel of your throttles to put a lively face upon it but i says i have been accustomed to take my wine in at the pores of the skin and took that way it acts different it acts depressing "'It's one thing, gentlemen,' I says to Pebbleson Nephew, "'to charge your glasses in a dining-room with a hip hurrah "'and a jolly companion's every one, "'and it's another thing to be charged yourself through the pores "'in a low, dark cellar and a mouldy atmosphere. "'It makes all the difference betwixt bubbles and wapers,' "'I tells Pebbleson Nephew, and so it do. "'I've been a cellarman my life through "'with my mind fully given to the business.' what's the consequence i'm as muddled a man as lived you won't find a muddler man than me nor yet you won't find my equal in malancholy. sing of filling the bumper fair every drop you sprinkle o'er the brow of care soothes away a wrinkle yes perhaps so but try filling yourself through the pores underground when you don't want to i am sorry to hear this joey I HAD EVEN THOUGHT THAT YOU MIGHT JOIN A SINGING CLASS IN THE HOUSE. ME, SIR? NO, NO, YOUNG MASTER WILDING, YOU WON'T CATCH JOEY LADLE MUDDLING THE harmony. A PECKING MACHINE, SIR, IS ALL THAT I AM CAPABLE OF PROVING MYSELF OUT OF MY CELLARS, BUT THAT YOU'RE WELCOME TO, IF YOU THINK IT'S WORTH YOUR WHILE, TO KEEP SUCH A THING ON YOUR PREMISES. I DO, JOEY. SAY NO MORE, SIR the business word is my law and you're a going to take young master george vendale partner into the old business i am joey more changes you see but don't change the name of the firm again don't do it young master wilding it was bad luck enough to make it yourself and company better by far have left it pebbleson nephew that good luck always stuck to you should never change luck when it's good sir at all events i have no intention of changing the name of the house again joey glad to hear it and wish you good day young master wilding but you had better by half muttered joey ladle inaudibly as he closed the door and shook his head have let the name alone from the first you had better by half have followed the luck instead of crossing it enter the housekeeper the wine merchant sat in his dining-room next morning to receive the personal applicants for the vacant posts in his establishment it was an old-fashioned wainscoted room the panels ornamented with festoons of flowers carved in wood with an oaken floor a well-worn turkey carpet and dark mahogany furniture all of which had seen service and polish under pebbleson nephew the great sideboard had assisted at many business dinners given by pebbleson nephew to their connection on the principle of throwing sprats overboard to catch whales and pebbleson nephew's comprehensive three-sided plate-warmer made to fit the whole front of the large fireplace kept watch beneath it over a sarcophagus-shaped cellaret that had in its time held many a dozen of pebbleson nephew's wine but the little rubicund old bachelor with a pigtail whose portrait was over the sideboard and who could easily be identified as decidedly pebbleson and decidedly not nephew had retired into another sarcophagus and the plate-warmer had grown as cold as he so the golden and black griffins that supported the candelabra with black balls in their mouths at the end of gilded chains looked as if in their old age they had lost all heart for playing at ball, and were dolefully exhibiting their chains in the missionary line of inquiry, whether they had not earned emancipation by this time, and were not griffins and brothers.' such a columbus of a morning was the summer morning that it discovered cripple corner the light and warmth pierced in it at the open windows and irradiated the picture of a lady hanging over the chimney-piece the only other decoration of the walls my mother at five-and-twenty said mr wilding to himself as his eyes enthusiastically followed the light to the portrait's face i hang up here in order that visitors may admire my mother in the bloom of her youth and beauty my mother at fifty i hang in the seclusion of my own chamber as a remembrance sacred to me oh it's you jarvis these latter words he addressed to a clerk who had tapped at the door and now looked in yes sir i merely wish to mention that it's gone ten sir and that there are several females in the counting-house dear me said the wine-merchant deepening in the pink of his complexion and whitening in the white are there several so many as several i had better begin before there are more i'll see them one by one jarvis in the order of their arrival hastily entrenching himself in his easy-chair at the table behind a great inkstand having first placed a chair on the other side of the table opposite his own seat mr wilding entered on his task with considerable trepidation he ran the gauntlet that must be run on any such occasion there are the usual species of profoundly unsympathetic women and the usual species of much too sympathetic women there were buccaneering widows who came to seize him and who gripped umbrellas under their arms and if each umbrella were he and each gripper had got him there were towering maiden ladies who had seen better days and who came armed with clerical testimonials to their theology as if he were saint peter with his keys there were gentle maiden ladies who came to marry him there were professional housekeepers like non-commissioned officers who put him through his domestic exercise instead of submitting themselves to catechism there were languid invalids to whom salary was not so much an object as the comforts of a private hospital there were sensitive creatures who burst into tears on being addressed and had to be restored with glasses of cold water there were some respondents who came two together a highly promising one and a wholly unpromising one of whom the promising one answered all questions charmingly until it would at last appear that she was not a candidate at all but only the friend of the unpromising one who had glowered in absolute silence and apparent injury at last when the good wine merchant's simple heart was failing him there entered an applicant quite different from all the rest a woman perhaps fifty but looking younger with a face remarkable for placid cheerfulness and a manner no less remarkable for its quiet expression of equability of temper nothing in her dress could have been changed to her advantage nothing in the noiseless self-possession of her manner could have been changed to her advantage nothing could have been in better unison with both than her voice when she answered the question what name shall i have the pleasure of noting down with the words my name is sarah goldstraw mrs goldstraw my husband has been dead many years and we had no family half a dozen questions had scarcely extracted as much to the purpose from any one else the voice dwelt so agreeably on Mr. Wilding's ear, as he made his note, that he was rather long about it. When he looked up again, Mrs. Goldstraw's glance had naturally gone round the room, and now returned to him from the chimney-piece. Its expression was one of frank readiness to be questioned, and to answer straight. "'You will excuse my asking you a few questions,' said the modest wine-merchant. "'Oh, surely, sir, or I should have no business here.' have you filled the station of housekeeper before only once i have lived with the same widow lady for twelve years ever since i lost my husband she was an invalid and is lately dead which is the occasion of my now wearing black i do not doubt that she has left you the best credentials said mr wilding i hope i may say the very best i thought it would save trouble sir if i wrote down the name and address of her representatives and brought it with me laying a card on the table. "'You singularly remind me, Mrs. Goldstraw,' said Wilding, taking the card beside him, of a manner and tone of voice that I was once acquainted with. Not of an individual, I feel sure of that, though I cannot recall what it is I have in my mind, but of a general bearing. I ought to add it was a kind and pleasant one.' She smiled as she rejoined. "'At least I am very glad of that, sir.' "'Yes,' said the wine-merchant, thoughtfully repeating his last phrase with a momentary glance at his future housekeeper, "'it was a kind and pleasant one. But that is the most I can make of it. Memory is sometimes like a half-forgotten dream. I don't know how it may appear to you, Mrs. Goldstraw, but so it appears to me.' Probably it appeared to Mrs. Goldstraw in a similar light, for she quietly assented to the proposition.' Mr. Wilding then offered to put himself at once, in communication with a gentleman named upon the card, a firm of proctors in Doctors' Common. To this Mrs. Goldstraw thankfully assented. Doctors' Commons, not being far off, Mr. Wilding suggested the feasibility of Mrs. Goldstraw's looking in again, say in three hours' time. Mrs. Goldstraw readily undertook to do so. In fine, the result of Mr. Wilding's inquiries being eminently satisfactory, Mrs. Goldstraw was that afternoon engaged on her own perfectly fair terms to come to-morrow and set up her rest as housekeeper in Cripple Corner. End of story twenty, part two.